The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and life. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I am delighted to be joined by The Spectator's economics editor, Kate Andrews, and we're going to be talking about Bidenflation. Kate, it seems pretty obvious to everyone now that Bidenflation, which is the name that's been given to inflation in the US, is a serious problem for Joe Biden's administration. And it took them a while to accept that it was. Uh, They tried to dismiss it as transitory for a while. But now we have 40-year hike in prices and people are angry about it. And the Biden administration are expecting uh, this to be a major issue in the midterms. However, there was perhaps a slight glimmer of hope uh, for Biden yesterday with the figures from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which showed a slight dip in inflation, but it's not enough to reassure either Biden fans, the remaining few that there are, um, or Americans who are worried about the economy, is it? No, it's not. It is, on the face of it, good news and bad news, depending on who you speak to. So inflation on the month fell from 8.5% to 8.3%. If you're an optimist, you say, look, the forecasts, many forecasts were suggesting inflation was going to peak around springtime. Perhaps it has now peaked, and that means we might not be facing double-digit inflation figures. And if we're now on a trajectory downwards, and that's a big if, that's overall good news. But the markets immediately responded in quite a flurry. They weren't delighted with the news, and I think that's because people were actually expecting it to fall more than it did, if it was going to fall. The major reason for that is that gasoline prices went down quite significantly, I think by about 6%. And the worry now is that if a notable fall in gas prices, you know, and energy contributes a lot to the overall headline inflation rate, only makes a teeny tiny difference in the headline rate, then perhaps um, even if inflation falls slightly, it could be an indicator, and I keep putting emphasis on if and could, because no one really knows, Mm. that we're going to be living with higher inflation for a long time, that um, we're not going back down to 1%, 2% in any time in the near future, that Actually, we might have to live with, if not 8 or 9% inflation, 5 6 7% inflation for a prolonged period of time, and that will still be very, very painful. I think another thing to note, uh, a concerning note from the Bureau of Labor Statistics yesterday, was that um, the food index has gone up significantly. Mm. So, you know, people will be feeling that dip in gasoline, but they'll also be feeling that increase in food. And from a political perspective, going into any kind of election, if something that you're faced with daily, the cost of food, for example, is still at, I mean, it's at a record high at the moment. People are going to be pretty angry about that when they show up to vote. Biden has tried, to a certain extent, to blame the, the sort of the ongoing nature of the inflationary crisis on Putin and the war, and he tried to call it Putin's price hike. But now that the price of gas is coming down, mm. does that argument still hold, or could it be argued that the, the food prices, the impact of the, the sort of rippling effects of the war? 
in the global economy are still causing inflationary pressures? I think it's all true. The impact of locking countries down on and off for two years and what that's done to supply change and, and, and you know the natural cycle of demand has had a huge impact on inflation. Putin's war has had an impact on energy prices, there's no doubt about it. But Biden's billion upon billion upon billion dollar stimulus packages have also had a major impact. This is nothing like the money printing that happened during the financial crisis this time round. That money was pumped into the real economy. It was given to people in the US uh, through stimulus checks. It was given to people in the UK, for example, through the furlough scheme and business loans. But Biden took it to the extreme. I mean, we're talking about trillion dollar stimulus packages. And, you know, your average American will understand that the whole world is dealing with price hikes. You know, you look at the UK, you look at Europe, there are price hikes here too. But it is also understood that Biden's public policy had a major impact on this. And you can see it before the war broke out, before Putin invaded, before people even thought he was going to, inflation was going up. So I think your average voter showing up to the polls will, will know that this is a mixed bag. And the problem for the Biden administration is A, as you said, Fred, they didn't take it seriously enough early on. And B, you can't exactly go around like praising yourself or patting yourself on the back from inflation falling from 8.5% to 8.3%. Mm. I think they'll be relieved to see that there's the potential for a downwards trajectory, but it's not like they can go around saying inflation is falling mm. because that will easily be thrown back at them as inflation's at a 40-year high still. So um, it isn't as if they have a lot of good talking points here, even if inflation has potentially peaked. Well, we've talked about this before on this podcast, and, and I think we talked about it last year, and, and saying it's odd that the argument that inflation is inevitable when you shove trillions of dollars into the economy artificially, that argument was seen as sort of outdated and had been proven wrong after the 2008 financial crash. But it's actually obviously not outdated because it makes perfect sense. Even someone like me who does not understand economics at all, it's very clear and it's true. And if you look historically, when governments do this, it causes inflation. And it's what banana republics and very badly run governments do all the time. And it always happens. Yeah. I was speaking to a minister in the UK and I asked this minister, you know, why is it that the banks got this so wrong and why is it the politicians got it so wrong? And they said, you know, I, I actually don't know why the banks got it so wrong. And if you look at a few economists and a few central bankers, they were warning about this exactly for the reasons you say, Freddie, because those fundamental economic principles have always applied. And as I said, it was it was a very different type of money printing during the financial crisis and, and the circumstances were different when it came to COVID, you had all of the ingredients of creating inflationary pressure. Lockdowns of economies, you know, completely messing with supply and demand and, and the timeframes of all that. It, it, you know, some people did see it coming. But they said, look, I, I can understand the reason politicians bury their heads in the sands a lot more because it was politically convenient to say that you can print and spend trillions and trillions of dollars with no impact, with no consequence. And that, of course, was never true. Lots of governments almost regardless of party, like if you're basically, if you're in charge now, you're going to have to take responsibility for the cost of living crisis that has come our way. But some governments are more responsible than others. And I think a lot of people have been looking to the US for a long time saying, you know, Biden's playing a very dangerous game. Is he going to overheat his own economy? And there's still major concerns about recession, I mean, across the West, but particularly in the United States. And then there's also the question about whether inflation has peaked. And again, like, I, I don't know. I We don't know. Most people would really struggle to, to predict that. But there are other issues coming down the track this year. China, for one, which is still practicing zero COVID, 
sending its major cities back into full-on lockdowns, breaking supply chains that were just starting to get back on track. I I don't think there's any guarantee that this minor fall from 8.5% to 8.3% is, there's no guarantee that that is, you know, going to keep going down. It could continue to fluctuate. Well, and perhaps the the biggest factor that isn't really discussed very much is the growth in wages. Mm. And this was not a factor in 2008, generally speaking, because it simply wasn't. There was too many global deflationary pressures. Um, and wages weren't rising at a substantial level. If you look at America, wages have been rising quite substantially. Yeah. And that, again, inevitably, is a large trigger for inflation. Yeah, there's serious wage spiral in America, which we haven't properly experienced in the UK yet. Last year, in 2021, wages ha- saw their biggest increase in decades, I think, since the early 1980s. And if you look at forecasts from Goldman Sachs and other forecasters, they think wages are only going up further in 2022. And that has a huge impact, as you say, Fred, on um, what's going to happen with inflation. Uh, Europe has its own problems, right? So the, the EU has said that it is going to cut off all Russian oil by the end of the year. There's a feeling that there's some loopholes in there and that is not fully genuine in the sense that, you know, they're, they've intentionally kept gas out of that. They don't want to harm themselves economically too much. A lot of money still going to be flowing from the EU to Russia. But as energy prices in the EU go up, that has a knock-on effect on places like the UK, which aren't as dependent on Russia for energy, but will be competing for uh, other suppliers with EU countries. So there are lots of reasons you can look at different countries and say you're still very vulnerable to inflation. But in the States, wage growth is definitely one of those things. And again, I think that's why um, the Biden administration is an absolutely no place to congratulate itself and say inflation is falling because there are just too many unknown variables here. But you could find yourself in a situation where coming to the midterms, the Biden administration will start stressing wage growth, Mm -hmm. which is obviously a good thing in many ways. But if it is adding to this problem, that's actually meaning that in real terms, people's incomes are going down. Mm. Americans aren't stupid. They're not going to accept that wage growth is all what the whole economy is about, are they? No, they're they're not. But also, it's not just about what's happening to your wages technically. It's about how it feels. So if wage growth really picks up and, say, outpaces inflation, and I don't think anybody's predicting that, then potentially Biden could go into the midterm saying, look, I know it's been a tough time, but your wages are much higher and you're back to being able to afford your old lifestyle. Problem for Biden is even if wages are up significantly, if it's below inflation, people still feel poor. They still can't purchase as much as they could before, even though their wages are technically up. As you say, Fred, Americans aren't stupid. They may well know that they got a pay raise, but they're still confused as to why they're not able to afford what they were a few years ago. And the understandable and I think correct analysis of that would be my employer isn't the problem. They gave me the pay raise. They're trying to help me. Something's going very, very wrong with policy. And again, I mean, there are international factors here that a lot of governments can't control. But if you look to the things that government could have done better, central banks could have done better, America seems to have gotten it wrong almost every step of the way. And so even if wages are up, if uh, if inflation is still higher, I don't think you do get a lot of credit for that. And looking uh, across the Atlantic to Britain for our British listeners, Americanos much love British listeners. We seem to be lagging America at the moment in, t- in terms of inflation, but we're certainly on the same upward path at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you expect us just to be a bit behind in perhaps 
hitting this peak that perhaps America's now hitting? We've always been slightly behind the curve, and I don't think that inflation has peaked in the UK yet, primarily because of those energy problems that I just mentioned. I mean, the Bank of England now accepts or thinks, um, it was denying this for a long time like the Federal Reserve was, but now thinks that inflation's going to peak in double digits this autumn. So nobody thinks that the peak is anywhere near close here in the UK. I think it's important to stress that, you know, there are lots of factors that can change all this. I mean, there are bold, radical government policies that can help to curb inflation. There are supply-side reforms that can boost economic growth that can take care of a lot of this pain and problem. I'm going to put you on the spot there. Give us, if you were in charge of the Treasury... Oh, gosh. What would you do? Well, that would never happen, Fred. They wouldn't let me anywhere near (laughs) it. Look, if you wanted to be really bold and radical, you could implement at the same time a policy of cutting back almost everything you could that you... Uh, in terms of state spending that you wouldn't think would cause really serious pain. And you could, say, put half of the billions that you find there towards direct top-ups for, you know, on universal credit or for the underpaid. And the other half you could dedicate to tax cuts. Um, You know, rather than doing a deficit-funded tax cut, which is dangerous in a time of inflation because you're borrowing more money and you have to pay uh, the interest on that, but you could do austerity-funded tax cuts. No one's going to do it. I mean, they're not, this is, this is not, you, we can talk about it. And there are things that Biden and Boris could do to, to help people right now that they're just not going to remotely consider. You're not suggesting making the state more efficient. I am suggesting making that the state very dangerous more efficient. I think we better, end, we better end the podcast there. <laughs> I think uh, they're going to knock down the door, Fred. Before Derek. someone comes and kills you. Uh, thank you very much, Kate. Uh, pleasure to have you on as always. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review. 